This is TFG and Mike, and welcome to the Mayhem. This is Mast Mayhem, Episode 4, and with me as always is my Rhino co-pilot, Optimus Solo. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am fantabulous. Awesome. This episode of Mast Mayhem, we will be giving you our thoughts on Episode 7, The Ultimate Weapon, and Episode 8, The Rotex. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Analysis of probable location of Venom's next attack completed. Based on Venom's overall objectives, logical site is the Phelps Breeder Reactor. The Phelps Reactor? But it's not supposed to go into service until next month. They've only got a skeleton crew up there. And they've just received a big shipment of plutonium. First up today, we're going to be talking about the ultimate weapon. Take it away. Mass goes to the movies. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> Scott and T-Bob and Matt, we start off here seeing them all at the movie theater, and then out of nowhere, Venom attacks the theater. Assemble mask team, and move on to the next target, where Venom is found attacking an observatory, and stealing some stuff from there, obviously. And then we get a cool Mask-Venom showdown as Mask meets up with them as they're attacking the observatory and everything. And uh, it's kind of interesting because the Mask weapons and cars basically stop working to the point where some of them crash into each other and we have Gloria uh, hurt. And we find out that the reason the weapons aren't working and the cars aren't working, etc., is something called the Cyclonic Disruptor. What's Cyclonus doing in this? <laughs> Cyclonus disruptor. <laughs> um, and basically, Alex comes up with a way to neutralize it, so he hopes. Um, Cyclonus also, neutralizer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they go back to you know confront Venom again after they've tried to figure out a way to you know neutralize the Cyclonic disruptor, and uh, that kind of works for a time until Venom kind of re-ups their disruptor powers. But uh, it's also aided by Brad's hologram. We see Brad's hologram quite often in these episodes today. And Venom retreats. They retreat from a nuclear uh, facility where they're going after plutonium again. And they do leave a bomb on it when they retreat. And it's up to Mask to not just disarm the bomb, disarm the bomb because they can't quite do that. So they basically shoot it up into the air so that it can explode where nobody's going to be hurt. Uh-huh. Um, the members for this episode we have five mask members we have gloria matt of course brad alex and buddy and the venom members we have sly miles and cliff no vanessa so this is the first episode with gloria and no vanessa 
It's also a rare episode so far where there's no Bruce Sato. Yes, no Bruce. Which I am not a big fan of, no Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you think of the the plot of you know attacking the theater, attacking the observatory, going after the nuclear plant to try to get the plutonium, and uh, the basic the the main thing I think that separates this plot from the others that we've seen so far is the first time where masks masks and mask vehicles are not working. Yeah, and they uh, have to come up with a different way to do things. Yeah, I, I I like that part of the plot. Uh, I don't understand why Venom had to do two different tests to make sure. Well, the the, shit the movie was... theater was the test. The observatory they stole something from. Right, but the no no no, but the 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 observatory they stole the telescope, but it was still a test because they said Matt said they found the telescope abandoned in a in a ravine. Oh. They didn't even really do anything with the telescope. Gotcha. So, two tests just to... They had 22 minutes to fill. <laughs> that's not... That's a second not test. a decent excuse. I mean, that's... <laughs> um, compared to, like, comparing last week's episode, the end of last week's podcast episode, mm -hmm. to the beginning of this week's um, much improved plot over Dinosaur Boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Um, um, keep going. I was the Star movie supposed to be something Star Wars reference. It was just supposed to be a sci-fi movie, but the posters yeah. on the wall when you entered the movie theater did look Star Wars esque. Yeah. The little posters yeah. they had on the wall. I was I was half expecting the dumbass robot to say, "Oh, hey, there's my cousin R2D2." Stop calling him a dumbass robot. He is a dumbass That's robot. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I liked I liked this one. I did have a, a question. These are not really part of my high beams or low beams. I just right. had some random obser observations and questions. Mm -hmm. Why does Venom never need to power their masks up? I know they just don't show it, but it, but they they are driving without them, and then they just randomly decide to put their masks on. It's like they their masks are made of different are made of sterner stuff. Um, <laughs> because they never have to actually get them powered up like Mask does. Yeah. They just uh, get to put them on. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> and you would think, and, and see, that was part of my problem with last week's episode with um, um, Highway to Terror. And I'm not really going off on a tangent here, but I kind of am. They stand there and pull this scheme off without their masks on, and then as soon as masks shows up, they put their masks on to fight. I'm like, I'm thinking, if you're a super villain, or if you're a villain that wants to take over the government or whatever else, wouldn't you think you would need the secret identity of a mask? Versus, I mean, granted, you know, and and this is with anything, and and again, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but this is with anything. This is with Power Ranger. This is with, you know, whatever. You know, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, people with secret identities and people with masks. It's like you would think that they would need that, and they wouldn't call each other by each other's names because it's like you, I, you know, obviously as the audience, we know who all the mask and venom agents are. All of the mask agents know who all the venom agents are, and vice versa. But random person on the street or military base that they're attacking, you would think that, you know, 
That's the problem with this show that I've found so far in seven episodes is that Matt tries to be mysterious and is like, oh, well, I'll make sure it gets taken care of. And then you see him in a battle. Usually he has his mask on. Lately, he's the mask members have, at least in the, the, these two episodes today, were taking their masks off and on during during battles. And like, I'm, th- I'm thinking... A regular person would see that and be like, hmm. Who's and that? Mask doesn't take theirs off as much as Venom does. No, they but don't. But you bring up a good point because th- it's almost like, it's kind of ironic because the name of the show is Mask. All of it revolves around the mask. But it's really like they're not wearing them as a disguise. It's like they're not trying to be secretive. They're not trying to have you know alter egos or personas. They're simply wearing them because they give them uh, Extra like powers and stuff. Yeah. But you're right. They all use their first names a lot. They, they, especially in this episode, you could have counted the times people took on and off their mask. Like, yeah, it was a lot of them. Um, so it's, it's weird that they have these masks, but they literally don't seem to care about their identity being revealed. Yeah. And since we're talking about this, there were a few times in these episodes, I think it was, I, I think it's more so the next episode. So I'm jumping ahead That's here, fair. but there's, um, there's a time where, Alex takes off his mask like twice, mm-hmm. put, takes it off and puts it back on. And I'm just waiting. I know this will never happen because it's obviously 1985 happened a long time ago, but <laughs> I'm just waiting for a time where it's like, ow, ow, my beard's cut in my mask. Ow. <laughs> He's got Vaseline in there to soften it up. No, uh, I, I just once would like to see the contraption that powers the Venom mask up. Yeah. Does it look the same it, as the I mask? I don't think it's going to happen because. I know. It doesn't say, well, okay, Mask has a base. They have Boulder Hill. Every time we've seen Venom for the first seven episodes of the series, they're just at random places. I yeah, mean, we've yet to see a headquarters, a base, anything. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, like in the first episode, there was that mountainside base thing, but everything else is, it, it's like they're roaming, you know, the country or, you know, the world or whatever That's else. That's why they're so pissed off. Yeah. They have no home. Uh, <laughs> I did have one other uh, quick thing, Go ahead. and it's not really, like I said, it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it's just kind of an observation. Uh, right. we, we found out today where the most, uh, where the safest place on a mask mission is, is the Rhino's computer room. I love that they're like, where can we put Scott and T-Bob? Ooh, the safest place in this mission is Rhino's computer room, so if we're ever in need to know where you should be if you're a kid or where you need to be safe... You got to be on board a Rhino. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep going. That's all I got. Um, like, like I said, it was interesting to see also that Vanessa was not present. Um, Gloria was no Bruce. So this is a different combination of people that we've ever seen before. So that's all the computer could come up with. Not much at all. One thing's for sure. Venom had more in mind than stopping that movie premiere. Buddy, any luck with your underworld contacts? Yeah, my source says Venom's next strike is going to be the McKenzie Observatory. The Observatory? Scott and T-Bob are there. So let's turn the high beams on. What do you got? All right. A um, couple things, actually. Uh, I thought that was one of the coolest movie theaters I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like IMAX before IMAX was IMAX. Yeah, not only IMAX, but you had the dome, like, the, just the out from the outside it looked cool, inside it looked cool. Um... Basically, everything about it was cool, um, so that was cool. Um, I did have an observation, and you're not going to like it, though. Uh-oh. 
so they're in this theater that almost looks like it's an IMAX. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott's talking all about all the special effects, and it, it got me thinking that it was like almost like they were watching something, you know, in IMAX or in 3D. And and then you have T Bob sitting there with his arms crossed, and all he can do is be grumpy and complaining about being at the movies. I'm sorry, sir, but T Bob is you. No, it's not. No, 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 no. See, here's the thing, and I've I've told this story before. And I know, I know. I'm just saying, T Bob is for those of you. Well, I, 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 well, now that you brought it up, I have to tell the story again for those of you who are new listeners to Mass Mayhem, and and this is if this is the first uh, GCRM podcast you've ever listened to, where I live, and because I do not drive, I rely on public transportation. It takes me two buses and a two-hour bus ride to get to the nearest quote-unquote, comfortable movie theater. I can take one bus, go about, I don't know, three and a half miles away from my house, and I can go to a movie theater that's okay, but it's not like the lap of luxury. It's not the worst. I mean, you know, there's not like a hole in the fucking building or anything like that, but it's just, you know, it. I'll put it this way. that The movie theater that I usually end up going to is not conducive to fat people. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm a fat person, damn it! I just thought that was hilarious. T uh, Bob to me was you in that scene. No, if, not if, at all. I, if I could ever picture you in a movie no, theater with two people that are Tony, just wipe that from your memory. That are enjoying the special effects in the movie, you would be there complaining. That was no. hilarious. No, and and on that note, T Bob throughout this entire episode, and and I think throughout this series so far, for the most part, T Bob is funny. I don't care what you say, T Bob is funny. He has lots of good one-liners. Um, he hasn't been—he wasn't really used very well in the last, you know, three episodes or so. But it's gotten back to the T Bob that we saw in the first couple episodes, where he's actually being funny. Um, like when he ran into the wall in in the yeah. one scene, I thought in that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on a different note, well, kind of the same note, but this time it's on Scott. But T Bob's always with him. Uh, finally. An episode where they're involved and it makes sense why they're involved. Right. And what I mean is they're at the theater doing stuff that a dad would do with a kid. Venom attacks, they kind of observe that. Then uh, Matt's got something to do, so he actually finds something for Scott to do. Go to the library or go to the observatory. You know, they're having this exhibit or whatever. Well, so it's Scott... only because he was whining and complaining. Right. Over I understand. He, he got him out of there. He did something the parent would do, like, go go do that, you know, blah, right. blah, blah. And it just happens that Venom then, you know, comes to the observatory where Scott happens to be. It's more of a natural way to include Scott and T-Bob. And then, of course, you know, it was a special treat that they got to help out with the mission because, you know, T-Bob was going to have this thing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. to me, it just made a lot more sense than what we've seen in previous so episodes. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with you. This this time, even though I still kind of question it a little bit, and then I'll come later in my low beams, but um, uh, I do agree with you. At this point, seven episodes in, at least this was something that was fairly plausible not forced yeah um i also had a couple other notes first of all uh, alex took on the alex sector took on the persona of wheeljack in this episode um we actually got his character developed a bit as you know quite the inventor slash scientist i mean we know that's kind of what his background is anyways but he really mm. got to show that off in this episode i thought there was a lot of character development with alex again yeah so that was good and uh 
my biggest high beam on the other side of the thing is is Slyrax. I'm kind of starting to like this guy. Um, first of all, I love his voice. Yeah, his voice is awesome. He's got one of the best voices in this whole show. And I'm really starting to like the stiletto fire. Yeah. <laughs> Where it just basically pins people to a wall or to wherever with his... Uh, they're not really stars. Um, they're, they're... I think they're darts yeah. is what what was said in a previous episode. So I think he's a highlight for the bad guys. And he actually is beginning to get some uh, comedic lines himself in the, in these episodes today. So mm. those were my, my favorite parts and my high beams for today's ep- uh, episode seven. Okay. For me, the first thing I wrote down for, for a high beam was, uh, that was some interesting karate Gloria did <laughs> when she got called because she did this like, weird mystic move and then the brick just kind of like disintegrated i shouldn't even touch it and it disintegrated so she's a mystic karate master um we kind of got a little bit of a character development on buddy as well not really so much character development apparently apparently he has underworld contacts that's uh, that was a little strange for me that was interesting that was the first that kind of struck me as odd too and yeah there's gonna be other stuff about buddy later yeah, um, I've gone ahead and and taken the uh, the responsibility of doing the count because I I've I've been noticing it now. This is the second time that Matt says personnel approved assemble mask. Yeah, we heard it for the first time, uh, you know, last episode, and yeah, now it seems to be coming a trend. Yeah, um, I love the holograms that Brad used. I thought I just thought that was really cool. I love you know when. When they do that, because it's uh, I don't know. Well, name me a kid that doesn't like to see holograms in their cartoon. Yeah, that's now true. I'm not talking about Gem and the holograms. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, and my final highlight was it's kind of, well, it's positive, but it's leading into the low beams. But um, nice explosion, but it looked more like a few hundred fireworks versus a nuclear explo. I mean, like it wasn't a nuclear yeah. cloud like you would nor- like it wasn't like that. And I know this is the '80s. Don't get me wrong; I understand, but you know that did not look like a nuclear explosion to me. Ooh, I forgot one other thing too. Um, I I really liked the scenes where the masked vehicles were not working. And all like going in circles and flying around crazy style and yeah. like uh, all that stuff. It was it was neat to see them dealing with that and dealing with their stuff not working. It was an, it was a twist. It was uh, something you didn't see coming in yeah. this episode. Like all of a sudden you have it. You know you're just so used to in especially in the '80s you get so used to your heroes having certain powers and being able to use certain objects. Mm-hmm. And and when it didn't work, it was like oh this is interesting. Um, so yeah, I kind of like those scenes where we see them going all chaotic. Hey, look, Dad! Jeff's hitchhiking. He'll get to the soccer field way before us. Maybe, but maybe not. Hitchhiking is dangerous. You never know who's going to pick you up. The person who picks him up could be a venom agent, or worse, a child molester. Hey, Jeff! How about walking to the game with us? Dad, when it comes to hitchhiking, I say thumbs down. And now we get to the low beams. And I think I'm going to turn mine on first. My first note for low beams was, because I I wasn't sure what the hell was going on. My first note was, what the fuck was the objective? Because Cliff Dagger said, oh, but we got him on the ropes, blah, blah, blah. And then Venom's like, 
or not, uh, may- mayhem is like we uh, we achieved our objective. Like when they were attacking them, I'm like, what is your objective? You're attacking a movie theater, <laughs> it, it, you know? Because I didn't. It was like the first few minutes of the episode didn't really understand that it was a test or whatever else. But um, yeah, it did take a little while to to figure out what exactly the plot was and what Venom's goal was. Um, I'm not saying that was necessarily a bad thing, but at first you're a little confused. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, in the card catalog under A. <laughs> oh, fuck you, T-Bob. I think he's funny. <laughs> um, okay, here's here's the thing. Like, So far, the previous six episodes, we haven't really gotten a lot of character development for Scott Tracker, simply because he's probably one of the worst kids that came out of the oh, 80s cartoons. It. But seven episodes in, and this is the first time we even hear a word one about Scott's interest in space. He's like, oh, you know how I love space so much. There has never been a single mention of him loving space in well, that's any because of he's these. busy chasing dinosaurs. And stealing arrowheads. <laughs> or being obsessed by a book of power. But anyway. Yeah, we've been in the fantasy world so far. We haven't been in the sci-fi world. Yeah. Although well, that one episode ended sci-fi-ish. Yes, uh, and you did bring this up earlier, and I I am in in agreement with you that it was a better way, and it was a you know a you know not really a a a more it wasn't a malicious way to put Scott in danger. But I have to read the note that I made about the observatory. So Matt sends Scott and T bitch to the observatory, an innocent enough fatherly thing to do. And then, surprise, Venom is going to attack the place. <laughs> um, oh, I still uh, liked it. No, right. And I, with what we said earlier, I agree with what you said. And, yeah. you know, but that was just, at the time when I was watching it, that was my reaction. You're um, going to love T-Bob and Scott by the end of this series. Hmm. That's what your goal is. I will bet you $50 that I'm not. Well, you're stubborn enough that you would just do it for that. No, <laughs> I'm. Hey, I'm being. I'm being very objective. I'm not basing this on anything else that I've seen. I, as I'm going along, I, I am reacting to the stupid shit that they do. All right, so, um, I actually screen capped this. I made a a new photo album on Facebook for all my mask screen caps in my personal profile, not the Geekcast Radio page, but my own personal profile. Uh, I screen capped where uh, Dagger opens his missile thing on his vehicle. Yeah, There's a cool. giant fucking Cobra logo. It looks like Venom is a branch of Cobra. Yes, they are. <laughs> Which makes sense why Mask then shows up in G.I. Joe toys later on. In the... Oh, God, stop it. Um, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> stop it. Uh, really? Another team member, quote-unquote, near death? This one at least was believable. They, but they right, but they overplayed that so much. It's like, how is she? It doesn't look good. Yeah, they were a bit over dramatic with it, but at least yeah. all we saw was uh, Condor go over a little hill ledge type thing. We couldn't see the actual crash. There was an ex- you know kind of almost like an explosion type deal, mm-hmm. and at least you could say, hmm, somebody might have been hurt. Yeah. So uh, give it that. It wasn't as bad as episode. No, one. it wasn't as bad as Hondo's near-death experience quote-unquote um seriously they're letting matt is actually letting scott go along regardless of how impenetrable the the computer room in rhino is they needed him 
Uh, oh God, and Cliff Dagger, I. I'm in agreement with you. Slyrax is great. Vanessa's great. Mayhem is okay, but Cliff Dagger is essentially the combined version of Rocksteady and Bebop in this series. He's pretty and it's my favorite flavor of cake, plutonium. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? He's he's your typical numbskull. I know. And we already mentioned Bruce was not in this episode. Um, you had a lot of low beams. Yeah. Your low beams were on high. Yes, yes, they were. <laughs> I, I had to search in this episode for some. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. First of all, not really. This isn't really a low beam. This is just a nitpick, or mm. not even a nitpick. I mean, because it's perfectly fine that they do this, but I hadn't really noticed it very often until this episode. But when the uh, mask, is, when he, the team is assembled, I like how the computer assembled somebody that was already there. Yeah, that <laughs> like it's uh who was that buddy? Oh weird, yeah. Or whatever it's like he's like please uh you know assemble the team or give me the best you know agents blah blah blah. And it shows like the first 3 and it shows them you know being called their watch going off and them leaving the place and then it calls buddy, but it does, doesn't go to a scene to show him leaving anywhere cuz he's already there. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. I've usually we see a scene of somebody leaving their place of work or their place of whatever. And this is one of the first times I can remember where it called somebody and they didn't show a scene because that person was already with Matt. Um, so that was interesting. And then, well, like you said, when they, if anybody wants to hear an example of what I continue to harp on is the bad voice acting in this series, mm-hmm. go to the scene, like you said, where, um, where Buddy is talking about, where he asks him about his underworld connections or whatever. Mm. And then his response is a terribly voiced line. Yes, it is. And, and there's a lot of his lines that are not very well, uh, delivered, yeah. Um, again, this isn't a bad thing on this next note, but I am very glad I was not in the Condor when it was stalling, because <laughs> I think I would have been sick. That oh, thing yeah, was whipping the, around. The Spinneroonie, yeah. <laughs> that thing was whipping around like crazy. I don't know how anybody could not be sick or passed out after that. Um, I if Booker T could survive that Spinneroonie. <laughs> nice. Good reference <laughs> there. Hopefully some people get that one. Um, my brightest... That seems brightest uh, low beam. Yeah, it seems oxymoron or something for me to say the brightest yeah. low beam. But uh, this may be the most ridiculously offensive PSA I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the PSA, I know we're jumping ahead, but sometimes you got to bring these up in the highs or the low beams. But the, the, the PSA is about hitchhiking, and Matt and Scott are walking somewhere, and he sees a friend or a classmate or whatever schoolmate uh, over on the side of the road hitchhiking. And his dad, you know, a car pulls up and his dad's like, oh, you'll never know who could be picking you up. It could be a Venom agent or, or it could be a child molester. Yeah, ch- that's what he said, child molester. He actually said that. <laughs> yeah, that was a little strange. That was, I, like, I'm not trying to defend right child molesters in any way, shape, or form, but for right. them to just use that and... Use that term, yes. It was yeah. very, to me, put it, you know, putting off. Like, yeah, it's... It's a very blunt way of seeing a stranger. Well, and uh, it was it was like it was like they said it and I'm not saying these people are good but they're still human. It was saying it like that is the lowest of low, you know, like you can't get any worse than that. 
it was like yeah. not only a venom agent but it could be and I, I don't know i you know i'm not trying to say there's anything good about child molesters or not right no no i understand it was very weird the way that psa came across yeah the funny thing about this psa is that at first when the white car shows up i thought it was going to be glory i thought they were going to bring in another mask member because mm-hmm. they do do that sometimes they will show more than just matt and scott and t-bob they they've shown bruce a couple of times or they will in the future anyway i think uh so i thought it was going to be gloria getting not you know either you know giving the kid a ride or whatever else but that yeah that that psa was not good no not at all matt i have the information you requested i'm afraid the situation is very serious i figured that what are those things they're called Rotex, a special breed of metal-eating insect created in a top-secret military lab for warfare. Just drop them behind enemy lines and let them go to town. The military lab near where you camp just confirmed that one of their colonies of Rotex is missing. I'm doomed. That's the end of me. The worst part is that they're due to multiply in 12 hours. If that happens, there will be no stopping them. All metal in the world will eventually be destroyed. Oh, 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 I gotta get out of here fast! Yeah. Yeah. And finally up today we have episode 8, the... <laughs> I don't... The... What the fuck are these things the called? Rotex. The Rotex. Lotex, Blotex, I don't freaking... Oh, we're going, we're going somewhere else here. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the yes. rotex yes the um, rotex. we start with uh matt and scott and t-bob on what seems to be a camping trip and uh they're talking to t-bob and t-bob has his foot bitten which <laughs> seems like <laughs> and i saw that i saw that way before they the matt or scott see it yeah i'm like is half of his foot gone Yes. And then finally he's like, oh, my foot's been... No, your foot wasn't bitten. Your foot's gone. <laughs> like, that's more Bad than... Bad animation I... error, I guess. That should not. That should hurt a lot more than it seems to be hurting. Um, so anyways, we figure out that these insects, which are called, we'll later on figure out, they're called the Rotex, are taking over and they are basically a metal-eating uh, insectoid creature of some sort. So, Mask has the team assembled... And, uh, hmm, there's something <laughs> odd there that we'll talk about later. Yes. Uh, then the team begins searching for these Rotex because they have to get them before they multiply and whatnot. Yeah. So they uh, basically un- uncover a box in the buried in the ground that all the Rotex are in. And they're like, why are the Rotex in this box? They're not out doing anything they're all in this nice little box um and then venom shows up because they want the box back because apparently they are the ones that put it there and they are in control of the rotex yes well the box gets dropped we'll talk about that later and uh the mask vehicles are basically attacked and starting to be dismantled especially the thunderhawk Miles, yes, we will definitely talk about that later. Miles uh, then uses a, a thing, a frequency thing, sound maker, whatever you want to call it, to signal the Rotex back to their home and puts them all in the box. 
we do get a couple different side scenes here, um, not to so you don't think Scott and T Bob are just not used here, of, of T Bob trying to hide and protect himself because he is definitely afraid of these Rotex eating more of his foot. Um, oh, dude. And it's a brick house. <laughs> better than the cardboard house that he started with. Um, it's like the three little pigs. He was eventually getting a better and better house. Um, Mask is searching for a solution to the Rotec problem, and eventually they figure out that, hey, this is why they attacked them at the campsite. We could use Scott's bird caller device, um, because apparently that is a similar frequency since they were having problems matching the frequency. And they use that uh, transmission through Matt's spectrum, or whatever you want to call it, his mask, uh, and Venom has the Rotex unleashed on them and start to get eaten alive, especially Miles in in, uh, his vehicle. Mm -hmm. So eventually Matt Matt and the mask team get control of the Rotex. Um, We have six mask agents in this one. Bruce makes his return, exclamation point. Uh, Then we have Matt, Brad, Alex, Hondo, and Buddy. So the only people we don't have in this one are Dusty and Gloria. Yep. And we have still just the three Venom agents. Vanessa has been off on vacation or something. So, thoughts on El Plotteruni, sir? This by far is even worse than Dinosaur Boy. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now. I don't care if they're insects that eat robots or whatever else. As much as I love the fact that they gnawed off T-Bob's foot, I'm not a bug guy at all. I can't stand bugs, any kind of insects. So that's that's right, right there. This being a an insect. But you didn't like the. Uh, you episode. must not have liked the Scraplet episode of Transformers Prime. I don't see those as actual bug-like insects. I'm just saying this is almost an identical episode. I think Transformers is yeah, off. I'm just kidding. Right, but if you look at the Rotex, they look like giant fucking spiders. Whereas the Scraplets are an alien. They're kind of like mini-me ETs, but with giant sharp teeth. Anyway, um, so right away, it being an insect episode, and it really looks like an insect that you would see in everyday life, um, right there, that's a, that's a point off for me. <laughs> um, the fact that they munch metal, <laughs> it's like they copied Transformers, but they're little tiny bugs. Seriously. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. It reminds me, it reminded me of the Sharktacons a little bit. But the Sharktacons didn't munch metal. The Insecticons did. I know, but it's it's. I mean, there. It, it reminds me of like the way that they are because they don't speak and they just. Kind oh, of the swarm! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Sharktacons did speak of a couple. Well, of that's true. Then yeah, but anyway, anyway, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the plot here, I, I was very underwhelmed with it. Like, I was happy when it was a mystery of like, oh, where did these robot eating bugs come from? And then once it's revealed that they belong to Mayhem and Venom, it's like, oh, God. Well, it didn't belong to them, but they had figured out a way to uh, use them and to keep them at bay. Um, But to me, 
I don't know. The, one of the reasons I like this plot is similar to the other one. It's not the standard chase plot. It's mm-hmm. not the standard, you know, what we've seen up to this point. We've had two episodes today. It's kind of weird how we've done this. And, you know, we, we had absolutely no um, knowledge of any of these episodes when we put our schedule together. You know, we've randomly paired or, you know, come up with two episodes or three episodes that we're covering at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was completely random the way that we did that. Well, it wasn't but, really random. Well, we, I mean, it, it's random as far as we had no idea what any episodes were about. Well, right, because that's the whole point of the right. series. That's the whole point of this podcast is we are going through and watching the show, the, the episodes. Right, right, right. And, and I'm saying that's... You know, so, I mean, before Shout Factory released the Mask DVD, the first ever U.S. release of, of Mask on DVD, I hadn't actually seen an episode of the series since it aired back in the 80s. I mean, I've seen, like, clips on YouTube, but I don't, you know, really the only clip on YouTube I ever watched was the intro, because that was the best part about the show at the time. And I have not seen, you know, I have not watched every single episode of this show up until we're doing this podcast. So everything that we're going to be talking about in the rest of the show is going to be a complete surprise to us both. So Right, I'm just saying it's ironic that in that, you know, random uh, grouping and, and assembly of our schedule that right. we had three, sh- you know, crappy, <laughs> you know, well, not three crappy, but we had, you know, a, a certain trio of episodes last time. And this time we have two episodes and both of them have the similar thing where we're having problems with the mask vehicles or the, the, you know, the status quo as we usually see the mask use their your vehicles mask. You know, right. the other one we had them with the um, Cyclonus thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, disrupting what they could do. And this time we have bugs, you know, these Rotex attacking them. So I, I kind of like them both for that same reason where it's throwing a different wrench in the works where Mask and Venom are not being able to use their utilities in the regular manner. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it's not as good a, maybe of a plot as the episode we just talked about. But in a way it is because there was parts of the last episode where you're not quite sure what's going on and you're not quite sure what Venom's plan is. This one's very cut and dry as far as you know that Venom is trying to use these bugs and to keep them until they multiply and then to use them in order to carry out their bad deeds, you know, and especially against Mask, etc. Right, yeah. I think the plot's very well defined. Um, You know, I think there's a beginning, middle, and end to this. Um, so, so, so I'm not as, I don't think it was as bad as you maybe have, you know, comparing it to Dinosaur Boy, et cetera. I mean, you're entitled to that opinion, but I, I just know. didn't I feel mean, it was as bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's the whole thing of the Bugs. insect thing. Yeah. It, it's that, that's, and, and that's really when I said that, you know, just because it's a bug episode is it, it's already one point off. You know, it's already lost one mask in my in, in 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 the rating system for me. So, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Alex, I'm in a bit of a tight spot here. Scott, just play your bird collar into the microphone. Hurry, lad. You're not a hologram this time, Alex. I have it, Matt. Transmitting now. Spectrum on. <laughs> Those high beams ready, buddy. Yeah, buddy, turning them on bright. Um, now, I know that you don't like insects. All right. I also don't like insects. I'm <laughs> one of those people that 
I have absolutely no problem with uh, snakes. I have no problem with like rats or mice or that type of stuff. I don't even have problems with most flying things. But I have problems with all of them. <laughs> but as soon as you put something near me or by me or around me that has more than more legs than anything should have, <laughs> uh, I I do not like that. That's the only thing really that I don't like as far as like the random like animal or bug or you know right. alive things. Um, but that being said, I seem to love stories that involve like plagues of insects or or like a mo- you know like just movies or episodes of different stuff like there. One of my favorite MacGyver episodes ever is when he's, you know, going against fire ants, like millions of fire ants. <laughs> and for some reason in those settings, I don't mind them. And I love what I'm calling insect like plague stories. So that was a bonus for me in this episode. I, I enjoyed seeing this, especially with the catch there that they were eating metal and stuff like that. And honestly, I prefer, I, I mean, I didn't think about this and I've already mentioned it once, but I didn't think about it until we were already doing this record of how similar a storyline this is to the Scraplet story in Transformers Prime, and I think it was almost done better in Mask. Um, I don't know. I like the way that this happened. I like the way that they showed them. They looked very real and very disgusting, um, but I think that was well done. I mean, yeah, it creeped me out, and that means they were doing their job. Um, and I have another high beam, and it's kind of what I just talked about, where the vehicles aren't faring so well in today's episodes. No, they're not. So I like that. Um, I thought there was an uh, it was a good connection, one that I did not necessarily see coming, that the bird call from the beginning was what triggered the, the ro- Rotex, and that it would come back at the end to be used. Um, I know it yeah, seems kind of easy. I didn't see e- that at all either. Yeah, it might seem kind of like an easy thing, like, oh, you know, easy way to make Scott save the day again, and it's kind of, you know, retarded that a bird caller saves the day. But no, I think it was good, and I think, you know, you don't realize it at the beginning that that's why they were being attacked. Right. And so you're with Matt when he makes that connection and says, wait a second, why were they attacking us at the beginning? It's because Scott used that bird collar. We can use that. And I thought that was a cool way to not only have a connection there, but to bring the story full circle from beginning to end. Right. And the thing about a bird collar is, you know, as gimmicky as a bird collar is, you know, birds, all different species of birds have different sounds and different frequencies that they use those sounds at. So it also played into the fact of, the sound frequency and all that. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. What else you got? Um, I also thought, uh, well, just another note in with the vehicles not faring well today. Dang, the Thunderhawk just took a beating. Um, I actually thought it was kind of cool that it took a beating. I don't know if I was, you know, completely thrilled how quickly it was, you know, put back into motion, but then it was still not quite right. So it it wasn't terrible, but I thought it was cool to see that they're not, you know, these invincible machines. Mm. Um, I thought, (laughs) I thought T-Bob was funny in this episode. Sorry. His brick box that he was making was good stuff. Um, okay. I, I, will, I will let you have, and I will agree, that the brick box thing was 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 a little funny because, let's face it, he was looking out for his own well-being. <laughs> but in general, so far in seven episodes, or eight, eight episodes, that's the only thing that I'm willing to give T-Bob a pass for. Everything else up to this point, he sucks. Yeah, um, and I think it's funny that Scott has to continue to remind him that he's not alive. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought there was a very another cool connection that I don't think we've seen before, and that was a connection in the episode to the assembly montage. Okay. We saw the one, I always forget which mass member is doing what, but the mechanic. Um, it's usually Bruce. It wasn't, I don't think it was not, Bruce in this not, one. Not, not Bruce. Um, Buddy Alex. or Alex. Alex. I don't think oh, was... no, you mean the mechanic. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was Buddy. I Yeah, I have a note about that. Um, and, and he's under the car, you know, doing stuff, and the people are like, oh, hurry. And as he leaves, he's like, oh, you can use that car, and it points to a bike. And then two-thirds of the way through the episode, they're, hey. they show the guys on the bike. <laughs> the, the couple on the bike, yeah. I don't... thought that was hilarious, and I thought that was an awesome way. That's the first time I've seen something from the assembly montage show up in an episode. Yeah. So yeah. that was cool. Um, my other note, and I think it's because i am been tortured with a lot of nice, clean ways to end episodes where it's like, oh, we need to end something. Let's tie it up in a bow and, you know, everything's good. This was one of the better endings I've seen. Yeah. Because they didn't do anything. It was an actual ending that wasn't like you know, oh, it was a dream sequence or, oh, there's a, you know, a spaceship involved here or, oh, mm. you know, this or that. It was an actual ending where, you know, they used the bird collar, the the Rotex, you know, start attacking Venom and, you know, it, it all, from there all the way to the end, it made sense to me. Mm. So I, I, I have it as one of the best endings we've seen of an episode. To this point, yeah. To this point, so I yeah. give it kudos for that, and I'll turn over it to your high beams. Yes, for my high beams, uh, the one thing that I'm starting to notice the most uh, during the assembly sequence is how each of the mask watches, the emblems, are not all the same. Um, I could have sworn when Bruce's went off at the mask logo on his on his Dick Tracy watch kind of looked like a, forgive the expression, an Indian or a towel head. <laughs> Just the design. It looked like something of of Asian or Middle Eastern descent. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not I'm not joking about this, about the fact that they are all I'm I'm noticing different emblems pop up. I mean it's still the same mask emblem, but it's different designs of the mask emblem. Um uh <laughs> Brad's guitar string popped. Yeah. Uh, Alex the Snake Fighter. <laughs> that was funny, yeah. That was funny. Uh, Bruce's robot building a house of cards. <laughs> or knocking over a house of cards. Yeah. Um, why is Buddy Hawks working on Bumblebee? Mask Transformers crossover. Nice. No, sit. Look at that. Im- look at that picture. That's a yellow VW bug from the 80s, and it looks like Bumblebee. Um, uh, Matt does say the assemble mask, so that's uh, three times so far in the series that he said it. Uh, Something new for the computer, she says uh, transmitting mask signal code. Oh, I didn't Uh, hear that. So that's something new that she said. Um, I do like how... Rhino can use its its uh, it its back end for something. I guess it's its wheelbase. I thought that was kind of cool and neat. And I remember from having Rhino as as a kid. I remember having the toy that the toy actually does do that. The toy will um, 
I don't know if it's, I don't remember if it's separated from the actual truck. I don't think it did, but it did have the pop-up compartment on the, like where the, where, where, where Bruce was sitting or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the toy did have that, that pop-up where you could put one of the mask figures in that. Um, and I loved, uh, the aerial stunts with Thunderhawk and, and, and Switchblade. I thought that was really cool. And there were no trees this time to get in the way. That is true. Yes. So those are my high beams. A lot of them. Yep. Gentlemen, let's move it. Prepare to energize masks. Energize! And now it's time to turn on the low beams. I only have three... Uh, Five. Right? <laughs> I only have two, three, well, four, no, five, six, seven, eight, nine, no, ten. No, no, shut up. Well, they're they're really quick things. So right. it's not like it's gonna you know take an hour to discuss All these. Right, put the dimmers on. Let's go. In this episode, T. Bob's voice is back to the ear bleeding version. I don't see it as ear bleeding. It doesn't bother me at all. Okay, you watched episode seven, correct? You heard yes. his voice in that. I don't see a difference. It, I'm telling you, there's a difference. I think you're hearing like that bird call. No, you're not hearing something that only deers hear. No, not at all. Uh, at first, deer here. Shut up. Sorry. You know, as uh, as I mentioned before, I thought this was going to be a really generic no villain episode, but it gets even more lackluster when Venom is actually behind the Rotex. I did think we were going to have an episode without Venom. Yeah. And I was actually looking, thought thought it might be cool, and then they showed up. But I, I didn't mind that they showed up. Yeah. No. Uh, Thunderhawk. No, it was destroyed. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the first time. I'm talking about the second time when the Rotex just enveloped the damn car. Yeah. Because they, they, they get into it up in the air. The I believe part of the steering column or the steering wheel itself comes on. They, they eat through that and Matt is essentially pulled it off and is holding it in his hand. When it lands, it lands like shot like a, like a car would land up after a jump on the shock absorbers. And all, the, all four tires get blown out. Uh, it ends up on its side. Uh, it was just a horrible, horrible sight. And there was a, a disconnect here with, not disconnect, but there was a, you know, these vehicles are basically being destroyed, and I know it's just, oh, you know, they can repair anything, but that should have been destroyed, and um, why can I, ne- switch Switchblade Miles? Switchblade. Yeah. Switch, Switchblades, it, it blew the fuck up. Yes, it did. Like, how does that, how is that repaired? Yeah, I mean we haven't seen it yet because we haven't seen the next episode. But I'm yeah, assuming yeah, we're gonna yeah, see we it show up like it's like it's good as new. And that motherfucker blew up. Yeah, it did. Uh, my final um, uh, low beam was um, wear safety goggles and play it safe. I mean, I I understand the message and it is a it is a good PSA, but. I didn't get to shop class until I was in, like, middle school. I mean, we didn't have shop class. Like, when this show was airing, I was just, you know... Yeah, we, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have connected with most of the demographic that was watching Yeah, no, it's like... Unless they're in there, like, helping their dad with something. But also, T-Bob deserved to be hit in the eye with the way that he, he swung that damn thing. Yes, he did. He was a little forceful there. Yeah. And some aggression. Yeah, what about T-Bob's, you for T-Bob's an angry motherfucker. Um, I only have a couple. I mean, again, the vehicles being able to be so easily repaired, and I'm assuming, you know, Switchblade's going to be repaired. I think that's bad. Um, this is, It's almost like 
you know, they're always trying to introduce new characters or new vehicles, you know, because there's toys and every 80s show is just a commercial, blah, blah, blah. Kiss mm-hmm. my ass, people that say that. Anyway, um, but this would have been a natural way to, you know, that vehicle just got blowed up. So introduce a new one. Yeah. You know, I wish a cartoon could do that for once. Actually have people, instead of just introducing new people on top of new people on top of new people on top of new vehicles, every once in a while have someone die or have someone leave and actually have it in the show, have a vehicle get destroyed, and then there's a replacement. You know, there's there would have been cool ways to do that, and that could have introduced a new toy. So I don't like the fact that I assume next episode we're going to see all the vehicles back to normal. Um, yeah. A little thing little line that caught me here uh when venom does show up and is coming after you know trying to get control of the rotex uh first miles shows up i think and then you know sly and cliff show up and then matt has a line where he said something about like look the gang's all here and i was like no it's not like there's only you know vanessa's not there well, he's <laughs> the generic. I know, know, but it, it just trio. caught me. I was like, "No, the gang's not all there." Vanessa's <laughs> lurking in the back somewhere. Watch out for her; she's gonna get you. Um, but those were just little things. The two biggest things I didn't like about this episode, and the one I kind of got to give them a pass on because it took them eight episodes, but they finally got the mask. Uh, you know, trans—I'm calling it a transformation, but that's really not the right word. But the version, the, the mask. Generate the power generator, you know, the, the mask unleash sequence. They finally sped that up. They cut out all the slow parts, and you basically just see the computer, you know, the machine lowering the mask, and then they all grab it. You don't have to see them individually grab it as each mask is powered up. So it was much quicker, and it's much more easy to watch, except for the fact that apparently, along with that, Instead of showing each individual person getting their mask, since they're doing it as a group, they decided that the group together should say energize. That was retarded. (laughs) Like, when I heard them say energize, I literally was like, so they finally sped it up and then you ruined it. Um, So I'm kind of torn on if I like this new sped up version better or not. I need a different, I need a mix and match of the old version and the new version. My biggest problem with this episode though and I did like this episode overall but my biggest problem is we're eight episodes in and they're beginning to use certain plot points yeah way too much how many times (laughs) has something important been dropped by somebody yeah Alex you're an idiot they're like, Venom shows up, and Mask is like, we need to get out of here. It was kind of a premature, you know, like, retreat. But he's like, we need to, you know, everybody get out of here. Venom was really wasn't attacking quite yet. They yeah. they can take their time somewhat. They don't have to, it's not like the life, you know, people aren't shooting at them. Mm-hmm. And Alex, on his way to the closest vehicle, drops the box of Rotex and they spill out and are unleashed. Not only does he drop them for no apparent reason, he doesn't pick them up. Like, you're carrying the most important thing about this whole mission, and you're going to drop them on the ground and then say, oh, who gives a shit? Leave them there. Let's get out of here. <laughs> like, this is the third time somebody's dropped something important. It bugs me when you overuse things, so I better not see this too many more times. <laughs> Good luck with that, dude. If we see it again, you're going to hear me go off even louder. 
Uh, that's so funny. Oh man. Um, I don't know. Any other low beams for this one? No. We've got them in sight. Hold on. Mask will be right back. How about if you and T-Bob went to the park or the library? But where am I going to find action and adventure in a library? Under A in the card catalog. <laughs> Hungry little devils, weren't they? When the small are many, they are stronger than the strongest. Hey, Bruce, I almost understood that. <laughs> Must be something wrong with me. I hate them bugs. I hate them. I think the road decks give old cold-blooded racks the creepy crawlies. Shut up, dagger. T-Bob, what are you doing now? Mm, the toy chest wasn't safe enough. But that's crazy. You won't have anything to do in there. You'll go nuts with boredom. It's better than being eaten alive by horrid little bugs. How many times do I have to tell you? You're not alive. Mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Convert switchblade to jet mode. Surprise, Mac Tracker. It's mayhem. Battle station. Protect the decoder, Bruce. I'm going up. Stacks ready to fire. Mask, switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Fire! Each sold separately with action figure. Cover me, Matt. 10-4. Sato's getting away. But you're not, Mayhem. Mask, Switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino, each sold separately, new from Kenner. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you in your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code Keycast Radio when you register. Now watch what Mask does. We are back from that awesome cliptastic and commercial break. Uh, final thoughts, uh, ratings. Where do we want to go? Final thoughts first, and then let's do ratings. Um, the sick thing aside, these ahead. two episodes were the most enjoyable at this point, besides the very first episode of the series. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> That's really my only final okay. thought. Um, you know, I, we, we were at like a low of all possible lows with Dinosaur Boy. Yeah. Um, we had really hit rock bottom, and I was hoping we could we could recover from that, and I think we really did in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that we had problems with the masks or the vehicles in both episodes. Um, I think the the metal-eating bugs is something that's believable in the mask universe. You know, we didn't have to travel to a new country or, or, or something silly like that. Um, you know, natural ways that Scott and T-Bob were involved or not involved. Um, I just think these were, these were two pretty solid, uh, episodes minus a few things like the, the important thing being dropped and the vehicle is going to be all right. And, you know, maybe some questionable PSAs. Um, 
but otherwise there wasn't really too much I could find that was just bad in these episodes. Yeah. So I'm overall much happier than I was last time we recorded. So what do you give episode seven, the ultimate weapon? I give the ultimate weapon my highest score so far, a four out of five. I, I had more problems with this than I, 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 I'm going to give it a two out of five. It wasn't, it's not the five for the first one. Yeah. For the ultimate weapon. I hardly anything bad about it. I, it just, I don't know. It it just didn't. First of all, like I said before, I was confused as to what the hell the actual plot was in the beginning, and by the time I realized it, I'm like, why do they need two tests? You know, so two two out of five. I I think that's fair. Um, it's Art not things. like it's you know it's not like I gave it a one point five or a zero or anything else like that. <laughs> it's uh, not like what you can give her the only things that are worse than a two. Well, true, but still. <laughs> um, what do you give uh, episode eight, uh, the Rotex? I give the Rotex also a four out of five. These are my two favorite episodes I've seen so far in this series. Again, as I said, the the insect thing immediately took one point off. Uh, however, I did enjoy the Rotec episode more than the Ultimate Weapon, so I am also giving it a 4 out of 5, and this is the first time I've ever given a 4 out of 5 so far on the podcast. Sure the heck is. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think both of them were much better. Like You're, you're putting um, the Ultimate Weapon on the same level that you put Video Venom. Yeah, because again, it was you know the same same thing with Video Venom was like they you did give so a four. Much... By the way, you did give a four to Highway of Terror. Oh, did I? Highway of Terror. Oh, so oh. we've both given out two fours. Okay, well, yeah, I just got here. Sorry. <laughs> I just think these two so far, this these have been two of the best episodes we've seen. Um, I just couldn't find too much bad things about them, and uh, no. uh, maybe it's just, especially coming right after Video Venom and Dinosaur Boy or whatever it's called, that uh, that made these two look even better. But I don't know. I felt good about these two episodes. Yeah, I mean, just looking at my high and low beams for each, um, it's the exact opposite. For episode seven, I had few low, few high beams and too many low beams. Not not too many, but I had too many issues with episode seven, like you know, the flavor of the plutonium cake bit from Cliff Dagger and crap like that. Whereas in the Rotex, I had way more high beams than I did low beams. So out of the two, I think the Rotex, like I said, minus the insect part, is the better of the two episodes this week. I disagree but, with you. No, I, I like both of them. They're both four out of four. I loved them. Not five out of five. five. Not five out of <laughs> not five out of five. Four out of five. Thank you for being a part of Masked Mayhem today. If you'd like to get in contact with us, leave feedback for the show. There are several ways to do so. Visit the website geekcastradio.com where you can comment on all of our posts and different podcast uh, stuff. Uh, send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. Follow us on Twitter at geekcastradio. Mine is at TFU and Mike. What is your Twitter? Optimus Solo. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcastradio network. 
Call the voicemail line to also show you the message for and your name, 502-526-5821. If you have a USB mic or a, just a regular headset or whatever, you can actually go to the website, geekcastradio.com. You can record your voicemail directly from there if you want. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mass Mayhem, and don't forget to join us in our next crusade when we will be discussing episodes 9, 10, and 11. The Oz Effect, Death from the Sky... And the Magma Mole. Oh, God. For now, I am TFG1 Mike with... Optimus Solo. And remember, podcasting is the ultimate weapon. Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 